Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Did you guys, you guys having a good day? I hope so far. Yes. Awesome. Hope all the mothers had a great breakfast because that's the, that's like the start of your day, right? You're like, so, uh, um, if you're joining us online, happy Mother's Day. If you're joining us here, happy Mother's Day. Uh, love hanging out with you guys. Last week we learned a new song and, uh, today we're going to start with it just declaring that the battle the daily battle belongs to God, and it's not something that we have to handle, but we get to, we just get to turn it over to God. And this morning, as we sing, um, I encourage you uh, to stand up and uh, let's sing together. Nothing can stand again. 
shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So you sing, so when I fight, so when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, and I sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, and I sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. The splendor of a king clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice And all the earth rejoice He wrapped himself in light And darkness tries to Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. No, we'll sing how great, how great is our God. And time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. Above all names, 
Father, this morning we worship you. God, we are so excited to be here, so excited to sing. God, the chance that we have to come before you every Sunday, um, God, and declare that you are an amazing God. God, we love you, and we thank you for this Mother's Day and the chance we have to honor uh, the moms or the mother figures in our lives. Father, we proudly sing your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you guys have a seat. Uh, Happy Mother's Day. All right. Thank you, B. Thank you. That was a great Happy Mother's Day. So uh, real quick, we've got the Browns here. We we have the Browns. And so we have um, uh, we have Justin Brown. We have Kimberly Brown. And then we have Iris, who's the big sister. And then we have Beatrix, who is the um, the little one. The little one. Is that is that okay to, to say it that way? Uh, sometimes you have to be careful what you say and how you say things, you know. So I want to be politically correct in how I get this uh, get this said. So um, uh, so really grateful you're here today. Um, so today, Justin and Kimberly will be dedicating their daughter Beatrix to the Lord. And so, real quick, little word of scripture for us before I kick off. Actually, before I kick off. I have something special. I have something special for the girls. Hey, by the way, uh, Judy, uh, I know you're watching uh, this morning. These are fantastic. Thank you. That was for Judy Bowie. She put this together for me. So we have some big sister verses. Uh, These are special verses just for you, Iris. And this is what the Bible says to you. It says, for you uh, created my inmost being. That's what uh, David says to God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So when you were in your mommy's tummy, uh, God is the one who knit you together. I'll praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made wonderful. Okay. Uh, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame is not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me uh, were written in your book before one of them came to be. How? Yes, there's pop pop. 
How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So, Iris, I'm going to give this to your daddy, but that belongs to you, okay? And then I have a very, very special. This is, uh, was picked out. Uh, Iris' verses were picked out by mom and dad. And uh, these uh, verses are also picked out by mom and get, dad. But it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. By the way, that's really good instruction for you for the rest of your life. It's really good instruction. That's right. Uh, these are really good instructions for us for the rest of our lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So that's a special verse for B. So dad, want to hang on to both of them? Okay, fantastic. So real, real quick, this is a word of instruction in the scriptures. This given specifically to fathers, but I think the application uh, goes to moms as well, uh, because it's not just dads that kids sometimes get irritated with. Sometimes kids can get irritated with mom as well. But the Bible says this. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Sometimes there are things that, that dads can do uh, that can, uh, it can just cause trouble and turmoil in the life of a child. Uh, it can be a failure to be present, absent in their life. Uh, but there are many things that we can do as dads, and we need to take this into account. But fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So that is God's instruction for parents. Uh, first of all, I have some bad news for you guys, okay, because uh, I like to begin with bad news. I'm just kidding i don't like to begin with bad news but but there is bad, a little bit of bad news is there is no fail safe perfect way to raise children can we just agree to this there just is no fail safe perfect way to raise children who will always behave who will always behave if you've ever had small children you know uh, that is just simply not what happens and we're not going to put that expectation either on children or on their parents that's not what we're going to do. We are going to be a grace-filled community. Children need grace, and they need to experience it here. Because if they don't experience here, they will seek it somewhere else. And so we're going to be a, a grace-based community for our children. So, uh, so the, the bad news is there's no fail-safe perfect way to raise children. But the good news is this. There's a really, really good high percentage way of raising children who will follow Jesus. Okay? There's a really good high percentage way. And what it involves is it's simple to understand. It's just hard to do. And, and what it is is to, uh, it's simply this, is to, uh, the most important thing that you can do as a parent is to raise your kids to believe in and follow Jesus and how you follow Jesus. So as you follow Jesus over a lifetime, and your children are growing up and seeing this, that's what they'll do. It's kind of like, it's really interesting. When you read through the Gospels, you don't see a curriculum for how to make disciples. But what the disciples did is they spent time with Jesus, and that's how they learned how to live like Jesus. And that's the way our kids learn. So, um, so, um, so four words for you. Let your children, let your children find you reading the Bible. On a regular basis, uh, just let them find you reading your Bible. When your children 
see you opening the Bible, see you in the Word of God, that has an impact on them. Even if you're not reading to them, it has an impact. It tells them that you value what God's Word says. Uh, Make prayer a part of your daily rhythms. It doesn't need to be long, protracted prayers because kids fall asleep or they fidget. Uh, but just praying in the daily rhythms of life, whether it's over a meal or taking them to school or before you put them to bed at night, but make prayer a part of your regular rhythm. Make worship together like this as a family, uh, a part of your weekly rhythm. And then finally is take time to really connect with your kids, and you're doing that right now in this moment, you know. And, uh, but just taking time to listen to them, uh, to laugh with them, uh, to empathize with them when they go through what feels to them really, really painful moments, uh, but to do that. So uh, so right now, uh, what we're going to do is this is our commitment time. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, uh, the, the, the right response to this after I ask you is I will. Uh, but at, at this time, uh, I want you to commit yourselves to raise Beatrix in a God-honoring way. So, Justin and Kimberly, will you consistently, not perfectly, because none of us do it perfectly, okay? But will you consistently, consistently uh, seek to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior while teaching Beatrix and big sister Iris to believe in and follow Jesus? And will you seek to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Okay, fantastic. All right, church, I'm going to ask you to stand, all right? So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, Mom and dad and the lives of their children are irreplaceable. They really are. But the truth is you have an important role to play as well. Your role is to help create a grace-based community where children love to be, uh, where they love to be. Sometimes with, with in just they need to experience grace with you, okay? They don't need this to. They need our grace. They do. They need our grace. They need our understanding, uh, and our love and support. Because if they don't find it here, they'll find it somewhere else. All right. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, uh, church, will you agree to support Justin and Kimberly and their work of teaching? Uh, B and Iris to believe in and follow Jesus. All right. Fantastic. Let's pray. Uh, God, you are great and you are awesome. You are good. You are a loving God, a gracious and merciful God. And God, we are, uh, by nature, uh, we still struggle with sin. We try to follow you, but we do so imperfectly. And so, Lord, what we want to do is we want to consistently follow you the best way we know how. Help us, God, to support Justin and Kimberly uh, in, in, the, in raising uh, both Iris and B. And, God, uh, uh, help us to support love and support Iris and, and B as well. And so uh, I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. little faith. Oops, sorry. Hello, hello, everybody. Good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Faith, and I want to welcome you today to Solano Valley Church, to everybody in person, and also to everybody online. If you're online, I want to encourage you to go ahead and like and comment and do what you can to interact with us uh, here this morning. 
So um, as a church, we're all about connection. The Bible tells us that everyone uh, is important and is a significant part of the church, and we all have a part to play in the church. And connection is a central um, aspect of that and how we connect together. And so at SVC, it's super important for us to connect. And so that's why um, even during this time when it's still a little bit hard to get our connections in person and everything, we do have our um, ways that we're doing that right now. So um, if you go uh, check out our SVC app, uh, you can go on to the groups link and then there are lots of different group options and uh, you can uh, look at those for different ways that we can connect. We have several groups available that are all really wonderful. So also, I want to uh, let you know that today is a very special day for several reasons. Happy Mother's Day as well, but uh, that's a wonderful day. And then uh, also, we want to let you know that today, uh, Pastor Gary is starting a new sermon series called Building Stronger Homes 2021. And no matter what stage you are in life, this is a super valuable series. It has something for everybody. So really want to encourage you to invite a friend to come in person or to watch online uh, next week as well, because this is going to be a really awesome series. So um, we're going to go ahead and uh, talk about our giving. So in John 3.16, it's a verse that a lot of us are familiar with, but um, I want to talk about it today in terms of giving. So the verse, for those of you who haven't heard it, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should, should not perish but have eternal life. And so looking at this, we see that God gave his Son, but why? And so it's because he loves us, and that love um, caused him to do something. So love requires action. It uh, propels us to action. So in the same way that we give people gifts, not just because it's like something you have to do, but it's out of love. Um, it just it feels like something you just have to do. It's a natural reaction. Um, in the same way, that's how we see what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then um, we're going to follow that example in our tithes and offerings. So today is we're asking us uh, to give through um through our tithes, uh, don't feel, uh, don't give out of an obligation where you feel like it's routine or something you have to do, but really out of your heart. And if you believe in the message of this church and believe in uh, reaching our community and loving one another in these ways, um, it's just a really wonderful way that we can support the message of our church. So we want to go ahead and encourage you to do that. And um, lastly, I do want to, again, talk about Mother's Day a little bit. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We appreciate you and love you so much, especially my mom. I love you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we just want to um, say thank you so much for everything you've done for us, and we want to honor you today. And uh, we also want to show a special little video that our kids have made for you, and it's very wonderful. So we're going to go ahead and show that um, in a minute, but we just want to say thank you so much again, and we hope you feel really loved today. I love my mom because she's kind, caring, and yeah, <laughs> she makes good food. I love my mom because she told me that God loves me no matter what. I love my mom because she's sweet and kind and we like to laugh at each other because we love each other and I like her a lot. I like, I love my mom because she, she, uh, she cooks me food and takes care of me. I 
fantastic moms in this church, don't we? All right, mom. Hey, I know you're not here today, but you're watching, I know, on uh, Facebook, but you're a fantastic mom, too. Uh, you know, and my wife, thank you, little tweet. You are a fantastic mom to our kids. I am hugely grateful for you. You know, today is a uh, joyful day for many. Uh, and uh, by the way, a joyful day for many. I read this week, I don't know if anybody else saw this article uh, I saw it on the BBC, but in, it was an article about a woman from Mali in Africa, and uh, and she uh, this week she gave birth to nine babies, five girls, four boys, and the good news is everybody's healthy. Everybody is healthy. Uh, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Kathy, I'm so glad you're back. Good to see you today. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, just good to see everybody today. So grateful you guys are here with us. Uh, you know, I, I am super grateful, whether you're joining us on Facebook or YouTube, hi out there, or whether you're here this morning, I am really glad you're with us. And the reason I'm glad is I'm excited about what we're going to be doing today and the next four Sundays. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to build stronger homes. I believe that we need to build our, our homes on a strong foundation, a strong foundation of love and of truth. 
And what we're going to be doing, and, and, and to, in our world today, there's so many different opinions, because we believe everybody has a right to their own opinion. There are so many different opinions about how to do life, how to do love, how to do marriage, how to do family. I think we need something more than just my opinion or anybody else's opinion. I believe that we need God who is transcendent, who created all things. He created the heavens. He created the earth. He created every star you can see in the sky. And he's created every star you've never seen or never will see because it extended, extends to the expanse of the universe. God did all of that. And he did it by a spoken word, by one spoken word. God says, let there be and there was. Now, when God creates all things, he creates a way for humanity to flourish. When God placed the man and the woman in the garden, he created a place for them to flourish, to be fruitful and to multiply in the words of Scripture. And he created, and our creator has designed us and has given us a pattern to live in where we experience the fullness of his blessing and flourishing. And with that, he instructs us about, uh, about things like marriage and things like family. And so over the next five weeks, this is what we're going to be looking at. Where are my glasses? Oh, there they are. Okay. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to talk about love, the centerpiece of the home. And what we want love to do is we want it to permeate every part of our lives, every part of our marriage, every part of our home. And when love permeates our homes and our families and our marriages, you know what happens? People flourish. They thrive. It becomes a very safe place. And so we're going to talk about love as the centerpiece of the home. Then we're going to talk about uh, truth as the foundation of the home. Is that you've got to build things on a strong, solid foundation. If you don't have a strong, solid foundation, if a house, if a large building is built without a strong, solid foundation, what happens to the building? It will crumble and collapse. No matter how how well constructed it looks up here, if it's not built on a, a firm foundation down here, it will collapse. So we're going to talk about truth as the foundation for the home. Uh, week three, we're going to talk about the purpose of marriage, and God does have a purpose. And when we live out life in that purpose, we experience what? Flourishing. We thrive. We are fruitful. We multiply. But then we're also going to talk about the purpose of singleness. Now, sometimes singles can feel left out in the church. And part of the reason is my fault. Uh, in, uh, it's guys like me who we think so much from our perspective, we forget about how to speak well to singles about what God's word says to us. And God says some really powerful things. And just one thing to think about when we talk about singleness, a couple things here. First of all, everybody who's married one day, you or your spouse most likely will be single again. It just happens. My mom has been single now. This last week, we celebrated the eighth anniversary of my dad going home. But my mom flourished in her marriage, and she has flourished as a widow because she's learned to live out the purpose of God, whether in marriage or whether single. And, and, and you know, being single is... is just, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think it is so important because two of the most important figures in the New Testament were single. 
the first is Jesus, okay? That's kind of obvious, right? And, and then the other, the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament. So we're going to look into that, talk about that more, and, and why it's important for us to think about this. And then finally, we're going to talk about Jesus-centered parenting, uh, blessing our children with grace and truth. And there are a lot of books out there to read, a lot of books, a lot of books to read, and everybody wants to read the right book. I'll tell you what the right book is, okay? There's one book. It has been a bestseller for, I don't know, for a long time, about 2,000 years. And it is, uh, it's been translated in, I think, over 5,000 languages now, or 6,000, somewhere in there. And it, it's called the Bible, and it's filled with all kind of wisdom. And when we learn the wisdom of the Bible, and when we consistently apply that wisdom in our lives, you know what happens? We begin to experience flourishing. We begin to thrive. In, in how God has created us and in, in the home. So, uh, very excited you're with us. Uh, this week we're going to kick off by looking at love as the centerpiece of the home. And so I just want to begin by reading to you uh, some verses that are very familiar to many of us, and they are so important. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. By the way, uh, these words were originally written by Paul, uh, and they were written to a church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was a church that had a lot of problems. It was very unhealthy, extremely unhealthy. They had a lot of unhealthy attitudes about uh, there was a lot of division in the church. Uh, They had some very unhealthy attitudes about sex and sexuality that were causing a lot of damage in people's lives. And then on top of that, they had a very selfish way of understanding spiritual gifts. And so right in the middle of talking about spiritual gifts, Paul talks to this church about a better way, a better way. And, but what this instruction says to a church that can be very helpful for a church, I think is also uh, that it has a secondary application uh, into our marriages and into our families. And that's why we're looking at these verses. We're not trying to take it out of its context, but we're trying to learn from its context, in its context, how it has an application, secondary application, in the context of the home. So, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you don't have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up. Uh, Chapter 13, we're going to read verses 4 and just a little smidge, first part of of verse 8. So we're going to look at these three and a half verses, and, uh, and I'm reading from the NIV Bible. We'll have it on the screen as well. Uh, The Bible says this. It says, love is patient. I've learned something uh, in my life is that when I'm in a hurry, I don't have time to be patient. Which means that when I'm in a hurry, I don't have time to love. In the busyness of this world, these three words are so important. Love is patient. Love is kind. In the church, love is kind to children. Not just our children, but other people's children too. It's kind to other people who think and believe differently from us. Love is patient, and love is kind. Uh, it does not, uh, it, it does not envy. It does not envy. It doesn't resent how God has blessed other people. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not a windbag. 
It is not proud. It does not dishonor others in any way. It it is not self-seeking. You know, looking out for number one. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always, always, always persevere. Love never, never fails. This is the Word of God. Today what we're going to do is we're going to look at what love is. We're going to talk about why love is important. We're going to look at what love does, which is what 1 Corinthians 13 is about. And we're going to talk about how love is possible and what happens when love becomes our rule of life. And so what we're going to do is in the first couple of points here, I'm just going to kind of give you a brief overview of a lot of what the Bible says without going to a bunch of verses. But just quick overview. First thing I want you to see is that love sacrificially puts the concerns and did you, real quick, real quick. Love what? Sacrificially. Love sacrificially, which means that love Love is costly. You got that? Love is costly. It costs me something to love well. And it's going to cost you something. Love sacrificially puts the concerns and needs of another above our own. Uh, Love is a verb. It it takes action. Love, it's how we treat a person. It's not how we treat a person based upon how we feel. It's not based upon how we feel. I mean, sometimes I feel like being irritated. That's not love. It's not based upon how we feel. It's based upon what the other person needs. That means I cannot be selfish and love well. Uh, it, it, it is, it is, um, it's not based upon how we, we feel. Uh, love is a commitment to treat a person with everything that we have seen and read in 1 Corinthians 13, even when we do not feel like it. This is why this nation is crumbling. This nation is crumbling from the inside out, from our lack of love. That the worst thing, that, that what, you know, when you look at race issues in our country today, all race issues, all racism is a failure to love and show respect for all people, regardless of race or ethnicity. The reason marriages fail is not because of irreconcilable differences. It is because of a failure of love. Love is important. It is powerful. In fact, I'll say that love is the most powerful force in the world. By the way, I I believe that when I act lovingly, meaning that I choose to obey what I value instead of obeying what I feel, when I choose to act lovingly, my feelings catch up. Sometimes it may take a day or two, but they will catch up. If I wait for my feelings to change what I'm going to do, I'll never love. 
Jesus is our model of love. Jesus is our model. I said a moment ago that love sacrificially puts the concerns and needs of another above our own. All I have to do is point to the cross. Love sacrificially. Love sacrificially puts aside my needs, my concerns for another person. What did Jesus do at the cross? Jesus left heaven. Heaven's pretty awesome. I've never been there, but I've heard about it, okay? Love is like I've never been to Hawaii, but I know it's awesome because I keep seeing people's pictures, all right? Our heaven is more awesome than Hawaii, all right? It's more awesome than Hawaii. And um, Jesus left heaven and came and lived on this planet with a lot of sometimes inconsiderate, grouchy people, sometimes unkind, sometimes downright mean. He did that for 33 years. He never sinned in any way. He did it all because of his love for you. For you. For you. For me. That's what Jesus did. That Jesus is our model. And what Jesus did is he went to the cross and he was cruelly beaten. Cruelly beaten. He was, uh, he was betrayed by a friend. He was denied by another friend. He was abandoned by all of his other friends. He was condemned by his nation. He had spikes driven into his hands and his feet. A crown on his head. Stripped naked, beaten, mocked. And he endured that because of you and me. So if you need a biblical basis for love, sacrificially puts the concerns and needs of another above our own, just look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Why love is important. Let's talk about why love is important. That Jesus said the most important commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You know that? That's what Jesus said. That's the most important commandment. He said the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said this. He said all of Scripture depends upon these two, these two things. That when I love God above all things and when I love others around me like I love myself, I get everything else right. It begins with loving well. The Bible tells me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Men, every one of you, every one of us, God has commanded us to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That means that we are to love sacrificially, sometimes painfully. That's what it means for you and for me. That God wants us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Jesus said, he even said this. He said, love your enemies. What kind of idiocy is that? I mean, that is, hey, hey, if we're going to listen to the world, if we're going to listen to my opinion, your opinion, if we're going to say, I'm going to do, you know, I have my truth, you have your truth. Well, well, for me, it's never going to be true to love my enemy. You know, my my truth says I want to take vengeance on my enemy. Okay? That's what my, that's my truth. But God's truth says, love your enemy. That's what God did to me. The Bible says that Christ died for me when I was God's enemy. That's what the Bible says. Wow. So why is love important? Uh, when we love, 
We bring blessing into the lives of other people around us. And while bringing blessing into the lives of others, it brings blessing into our lives. I have a lot more to say about this, but I'm going to move forward. What does love do? And this is the point of the text today. What does love do? And I'm going to read it for you again here real quickly. And then as after I read it, I'm going to go through and I'm going to kind of spell this out a little bit, a phrase at a time if I can. That, that what does love do? Love is patient. Love is kind. That's a good place to start. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Do those words remind you of someone? Yeah, that's right. It reminds us of Jesus. It reminds us of Jesus. Just put Jesus' name where you see love. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. When you put the name of Jesus in there, it works really well. When I put my name in there, I feel conviction. I feel conviction. I don't know about you. You can go home. You can read it to yourself with your name in there. See see what it's like. Love is patient. What does that mean? It means that love is not quick-tempered. It is not quick to show irritation. Love graciously takes its time in getting irritated with our husbands, our wives, our children, other people. That love is kind. Love gladly gives itself to serve another. It is gentle and it is generous in its, its gentleness. Uh, it, it, love does not envy. It does not resent the success of others. It rejoices in the success, the blessing, the good of others. So one of my buddies, when one of my buddies who's a pastor of a church, someone gives them a building free, and I've had several friends of mine who've had this experience, I rejoice. And a part of me wants to say, hey, God, remember me, you know. But to rejoice, to rejoice, to not envy to rejoice in the success of others. It does not boast. It doesn't try to one-up other people in conversations. It does not brag about its accomplishments or its accolades. The love is not proud. Leon Moore said this, love is concerned to give itself, not to assert itself. Um, Love is not self-seeking. It, it isn't looking out for number one. It is considerate of others. It puts the concerns of others above self. That, that love is not easily angered. Basically, it has a very, very, very long fuse. Whenever one of my daughters has someone that's given them trouble when they were like growing up, uh, like with a boy at school, I used to tell them, just tell them that your dad has a, a, a handgun, a hatchet, and a short fuse. 
Well, I'm not being loving when I do that, okay? And I meant it in jest, okay? Well, actually, it's all true. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on, all right? This is not my confession time. Uh, you know what? Love is not easily angered. Is there a time for anger? Absolutely. I read it this last week in the book of Ezra. I read how some of the Jews were taking advantage of other Jews in his time. And, and Nehemiah writes this. He says, I was angry. And I pondered what to say and what to do. Isn't that interesting? He didn't, it didn't say, I was angry and shot off my, my mouth. He didn't say, I was angry and I punched the other guy in the nose. He said, I was angry and I pondered what to say and to do. Isn't that amazing? And then he confronted the issue. So there is, yes, there is a time for anger. But it has, love has a long fuse. It, love takes its time before it becomes angry. And when it is angry, it gives careful consideration how to respond. Not just for, to vent how we feel, but for the good of all. Okay? Uh, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It, it does not cling to past resentments. It's forgiving. Or in the words of Leon Morris, it does not harbor a sense of injury. Um, that love does not delight in evil. Love finds no joy in the disappointments, failures, and setbacks of others. You ever resent someone, not like someone? Okay, have you ever had someone cut you off in traffic and then you see a sheriff? And you're like, get that guy! You know, you're in your heart, you know? Uh, not that that's happened to me lately, but... Okay, I was in Azusa. Anyway, so um, uh, this, it love, um, love keeps no record of wrongs. Um, it doesn't cling to past resentments. Love does not delight in evil. I'm trying to find out where I'm at here. But it, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. Love delights in the triumph and the victory of truth. Okay? In, in our news, news feeds that we... Read, our news feeds love to report when somebody gets what's coming to them. It loves to report, by the way, it loves sensational headlines that portrays a person, you know, in a bad light. You know, allegedly, you know, there's an allegation made against a person. But when the person's clear, they never come back with a bigger headline and say, oh, the person has been cleared. They don't do that. They only print the bad side of it. And they take no responsibility to celebrate the truth. But love, love rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That it love protects, it, it guards, shields, defends the beloved. It trusts, that love, uh, it, it, love believes the best in the beloved. Uh, again, Leon Morris, and I read other books besides Leon Morris's, but recently I've read a couple of his commentaries, really like this guy, okay? Um, he's dead now, he's with the Lord, but a uh, guy originally from Australia, educated at Oxford, and uh, he is, was an Anglican, uh, 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 evangelical Anglican, but very, very, very bright, and I've lost my place. That, that what, what Leon Moore says is this, he says, love is not deceived by the pretenses of rogues, okay? Not easily deceived. 
That's not what it means to trust. But it is always ready to give the benefit of the doubt, like with our loved ones, our husbands, our wives, our children, that, that hopes, and here, again, Moore says this, that, that always hopes is the forward look. This is not an unreasoning optimism which fails to take account of reality. It is rather a refusal to take failure as final. We don't give up on the other person. It's the confidence that looks to ultimate triumph by the grace of God. And then this love perseveres. Love refuses to give up on the beloved. Love is steadfast. Oh, by the way, one of my wife's uh, favorite Greek words, hupomone, that love perseveres. That it is, again, from Leon Morse, it is the endurance of a soldier who in the thick of battle is undismayed, but continues to fight vigorously. Love is not overwhelmed, but manfully plays its part whatever the, the difficulties. That love perseveres. Love doesn't give up at the first sign of a difficulty. I'll tell you how to ride 100 miles, because that's the furthest I've ever ridden on a bike. As you get on your bike, and you ride as far as you can. And you get on your bike, and you ride as far as you can. And you get on your bike, and you ride as far as you can. And you get on your bike, and you ride as far as you can. And you get on your bike, and you keep riding, and you keep riding, and you keep riding. And one day, you can ride your bike 100 miles. I know this because I've done it. I lost, I don't know, like 45 pounds doing it too. Uh, but, but, you know, that, that love perseveres. It refuses to give up. It refuses to quit the other person. That's why love never fails. Love never fails uh, because it never quits. It, it love prevails because it never fails. When love is knocked down, it gets up again. When love is bruised and bloodied, it refuses to be defeated. Love always wins because love outlasts everything. Everything. It will not be defeated. It does not fight to the bitter end. It loves through the bitterness we sometimes feel in life and relentlessly loves to sweep victory. Love never fails. How's love possible? Real quick, and I'm going to land this fast, all right? How is love possible? Some of you are going to say, well, that's humanly impossible. Uh, how is love possible? We love out of the overflow of God's love for us. That what you need to receive every day. And see, I will tell some of you before this message today, uh, when you walked in, if I said God loves you, a lot of you would be like, yeah, I know that. But you don't feel it. You're not shaped by it. It's not enlarging your heart. And you need to get in a place where you can sit in the presence of God and be loved by Him and not feel like you need to be rushing to your next task. That we love out of the overflow of God's love for us. That we need to receive. 
if we're going to give. See, I can't give away what I don't have. But when I receive more and more and more of God's love, it increases my capacity to love. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. Is love possible? It's humanly impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When we learn to walk by the Spirit, when we learn to abide in Jesus, and when we learn to walk by the Spirit, we will begin to see the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Only those who are born again only those who are born again and only those, only those who walk by the Spirit can love with Holy Spirit power. But what's impossible for you and for me is possible with God. We just got to keep receiving of the fullness of His love until it becomes what we can give others. Time for action. I was going to talk about what happens when we love, but I need to land this real fast. Let me give you three things to do. Otherwise, you'll walk away from this and you'll completely forget everything. I'm going to ask you to do something for 28 days. Because we're going, to be, we're going to do four more messages, so that's four weeks. That's 28 days, right? 29 if you do it today, too. All right? But I'm going to ask you to do something. Number one, write out 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. That first part of 8, you know, love uh, never fails. But write that out on a 3 by 5 card. Write it out line by line or poetically where you can really grasp the ideas of it. But write it out on, well, actually write it out on two three-by-five cards, okay? Take one of the cards, tape it on your mirror, where when you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth and do whatever you do to get ready for the day, just put it up there as a reminder. And pray that verse into your life. Pray it into your life. Every morning as you're getting ready for the day, every evening as you're, uh, getting ready for bed, but just pray this love, this what this scripture says into your life. The other one, the other card, three by five card, just put it in your Bible. So in your prayer time, your regular reading of the scripture, just pull it out wherever you're at in your Bible reading, but just take a moment, read it, reflect on it, pray it into your life. Um, second thing I'm going to ask you to do uh, over the next uh, 28 days, that says 40 uh, but uh, I, I messed up there. But uh, over the, over the, throughout the remainder of the series, uh, pray it in your life. I already said that. Number three is this. Uh, every day for the next 28 days, do one thing. Do one thing. Over the next 28 days, do one thing every day to show love to a member of your household. Whoever needs your love the most. For some of you, that's going to be your husband. For some of you, that's going to be your wife. For some of you, it's going to be one or more of your children. But try to do one thing. By the way, keep it simple. It could just be a simple little note, handwritten note. It could be a text in the middle of the day, a a word of encouragement, a prayer for them. It could be uh, yesterday, um, Cass bought some flowers. I guess it's part of an extended Mother's Day weekend. But she bought some, some flowers for her mom. Uh, but but just do one thing every day to show your love for another person, another member of your family. Love puts the interests and concerns of others, sacrificially puts the interests and concerns of others uh, over self. 
Love is the greatest power in the world, and we are most like Jesus when we love like Jesus. Love is only possible by walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit so that His love in our lives spills over in unending supply and measure into the lives of others around us. And when we love the way God loves us, our marriages, our homes, all of our relationships become a very, very safe place where men, women, and children can thrive. Let's pray, and I'll turn it over to the worship team. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are the one who created the heavens and the earth and all that they contain. And you are a God who is loving. God, we thank you for your love. Thank you for the unending supply of your love that you direct to us in every moment of every day. That you have given us every day of our lives. And you will continue for the rest of eternity. God, teach us how to, know, to love out of the overflow uh, of your work and your love for us. God, help us to receive your love in unending measure so that it spills over out of our lives and spills up on, on people. Uh, in, in all of the challenging moments of everyday life. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Never said it would be easy. You never said there'd be no pain. But you promised you'd go with me. And your promises you always keep. And Lord, I confess. Lord, I confess how much I need you. Oh, I confess that I am weak. I can't promise I won't fail you, but your promises will not fail me. Cause when I'm in the valley, I will fear no evil. When enemies surround me, you prepare a table. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. See, there's beauty in the struggle. There is beauty in the struggle. You don't waste a single day. Your presence is my shelter. Your presence is my victory. Sing it out when I'm in. When I'm in the valley, I will fear no evil. When enemies surround me, you prepare a table. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely goodness.
surround me. You prepare a table. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. See, when I can't see it all, when I can't see it all, but I've seen enough to know, oh, you are faithful. And I can't see it all, God, but I've seen enough to know, oh, you are faithful. And I can't see it all, but I've seen enough to know, no. And I can't see it all, God, but I've seen enough to know, no, you are faithful. When I'm in the valley, I will fear no evil. When enemies surround me, you prepare a table. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. When I'm in the valley, God, I will fear no evil. With enemies surround me, you prepare a table. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. We will see you guys next Sunday.